Hey, welcome to the Movie Theater Time Machine Podcast. My name is Nick, and I represent all favorite food groups. Uh, <laughs> Alright, this is a real special one. We have um, our American cult classics that we've been doing for the past two months, and here we're doing The Breakfast Club. And I gotta say, this is one of my favorite movies. I'm here with my sister, Lid. Hi. And she and I, oh my god, I mean, how many times have we seen this? <laughs> Too many to count. Probably in the hundreds or so. Like, yep. I gotta say, like one thing I remember about you, like when you get you gave me this cassette tape when I was maybe eight years old mm-hmm. or so. It had a uh, Queen, a couple Queen songs, um, something from REM, and a few others I really can't remember. And then the back side of it was the second half of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was recorded on Grandma and Papa's old tape recorder. Yep. You remember that thing? Yep. And I'm like, okay, but it started out, you flip it over to the other side, and it was Molly Ringwall saying, No, I never did it! <laughs> and for years, I didn't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> well, it's funny because growing up, you and I are 11 years apart. Yeah. So it's funny that you have a different perspective than I do on this movie. Yeah. Like, I wanted to be Molly Ringwald when I grew up. You kind of were. Yeah. <laughs> I had the haircut. I had the prom dress. I, yeah, I did. You kind of were. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, you were far off, really. No, nope. but she was, this was the, everything in this movie was every part of what you wanted to be in different characters oh yeah true i mean everybody can relate to it but i think like written directed by john hughes okay so why do you think it was the right teenage movie i think it was the right movie at the right time yeah um i think the 80s were a pivotal moment where you had um so, mom was a, a hippie. Yep. But you also had the yuppies. Yep. So, it was yeah, like this yeah. coming of age of children yeah. of both um, hippies. All right, so hippies and yuppies. So. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so mom was the quintessential hippie. Yeah. And then you had the hippies that grew up and still wanted to give peace a chance. Yeah. And then you had the others that were like, the ultimate Alex P. Keaton Republicans, and, yeah. you know, they were capitalism at its best. And then you have the Breakfast Club that comes out and kind of normalizes all the kids that were in high school trying to figure out being the kids of those parents. Yeah. You know? And it is really interesting, because, like you said, we're 11 years apart, but it's also totally different but we were raised by pretty much the same set of parents we were the same set of parents and it's a timeless movie yeah so 11 years difference and you still yeah it's the same but you still see it in high school when you see all these kids and it's just it gets every single kid in high school you 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 hit it perfectly it nails high school yeah it in two hours completely gets the angst yeah 100%. 100%. I hated high school. Me too. I was yeah. not that person that was mm. part of the glee club or like I did theater because I was a misfit. Yeah. And um, I was smart. I am smart. But I still didn't fit in with the geeks. I didn't fit in with the preps. So, like yeah. I just never felt like I fit in. Um, 
And this movie made me feel like, okay, it was okay not to do that. Right. Like I was. Yeah. It made me feel like I was okay. Yeah. And we're gonna get in more. We go in later because we usually do something called fantasy casting. Uh, towards the end when we go through it and say okay who would you recast if you could redo this movie any actor living or dead Mm -hmm. and i don't think that's right because this is so well done i think you're right i don't think that you can't redo that no you can't redo it at all but there's I mean, the number of times that I've watched this movie, probably in the 500 review level, and in all honesty, 500 times over, at least for me. Yeah, Yeah, I'm probably close, and the the thing that, when you're saying that, like, I'm thinking about typecasting, so Yeah. yeah, they're the Brat Pack. Right, yeah. But I'm thinking of all the other movies that these actors have been in, and... Pretty Pink, Mighty Ducks. Right, I mean, Molly Ringwald is Molly Ringwald. Sixteen Candles, yeah. But she was never that character. She was never Claire in everything else. No. You know, and and Andrew McCarthy was not... It it really is... I think about St. Elmo's Fire, which is where most of this cast kind of got rehashed again. Yeah. Four years later. So it was almost like the Breakfast Club in college. Yeah. But... The characters are completely different again. Yeah. So... They're completely different. I mean, every one of them. I mean, Judd Nelson never did anything the same. Ali Sheedy was never... They all did great parts in other movies. Yeah, yeah. But the ensemble cast. I think this was probably our first experience... Yeah. ...with an ensemble cast. True. As strong. True. So we're starting to get into more like ensemble pictures now. Like Netflix is doing a lot of ensemble things. So we're starting to see it again. But I think this is the the dawn of the 80s ensemble cast. True. Yeah. And no one's been able to replicate it again. No, and it won't be. I mean, John Hughes did this. He only had a limited time to actually film in a a real high school library. Yep. And the fact Uh, that it, it takes place in a less than a day. Yeah. There's no flashback scenes. No. It is, and he told them, he says, okay, here are the scripts, and you rehearse it, we rehearse it as a play. Mm-hmm. And you keep doing it as a play, and just hit it off, and a lot of scenes were one takes. In fact, the um, the ending scene, when they're all sitting in a half circle, was mostly improv Yep. And because it's the 80s, the ending dance number was improv because it just had they had to fill time yeah it was the gratuitous <laughs> yeah. 80s, like dance rap <laughs> and you know what's gonna happen when you see anthony michael hall dance like and you see you hear the record scratch yep and the record doesn't scratch <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's the kind of the perfect movie it is it is it, it stands i mean like to me like i always say i have like i have movies that follow my top 10 Mm-hmm. And it fluctuates depending on my mood, depending on the day, but this always sits in the top five. Yeah. This As I get older, my, my top ten is solidified, but this is... Yeah, yeah it's, it's still... Constant. I mean, as many as we've done. This is episode 77. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we haven't done anything with you since episode 12. Casablanca. So, yeah, so... Yep. It has been, but that... Well, that Jesus Christ, that'll... We could go on forever about that. I just... <laughs> I think about yeah. the uh, the timelessness of it, like the kids sitting there smoking pot. Yeah, 
it, we're, we're talking now about legalizing it, but it's still an issue. Like, yeah. it really is, other than, like, the Commodore 64s <laughs> in the background, it really is, like, today... It, and the thing that frightens me is they've remade so many movies like this. Yeah. So a lack of originality in Hollywood today. So it's right. like let's just remake the stuff that was good. This so can't be remade. If anybody tried to remake it, I think I honestly would have to do a full fledged like no holds barred protest. Oh the the uh, yeah the the eighties kids and I mean the gener many generations would stand against it. Yeah, and to your point, it who would you it, get to cast it? Nobody. Yeah. You can't. The only thing that would have been different is for Emilio Estevez's character of Andrew Clark um, was it was almost Rob Lowe. Which is yeah. I could <laughs> yeah, see which it. but it still wouldn't have done as well at all. No. It's still it, he is perfect for that, and I mean I didn't know any Emilio Estevez's roles. Until uh, Mighty Ducks. Yes, yeah, so it Rob, fit. Yeah, Rob Lowe would have been too much of a pretty boy. Yeah, at the time, and it wouldn't have been believable as a angst-ridden jock. Yeah, as yeah. a jock, no, no, and even with the ending scene, we'll get to that point. But you got like, you got Shermer High, Illinois. They're they're dropped off at seven a.m. and you see the characters start to form and you, in. I, I try to, like, it's so many times I've seen this movie, I try to go back to the first time. And just to give listeners, like, another point, like, I I didn't see this movie today. Like, it's playing behind us on mute, and we could probably just recite this movie on mm -hmm. mute in general. But the last time I saw this, I had Kaz and Bob with me. And we're watching this, and I'm just lipping right along. Yeah. You know, just slipping through it. You know, she turns to me and says, It's not a sing along. Come on, shut up so we can enjoy it. Bob's just laughing. Then I get on the phone, this girl here. I'm sorry, I get on Facebook. I'm like, Hey, I'm watching, I'm watching Breakfast Club, and we're writing the movie out in private <laughs> message. <laughs> That's the best part of it. Like, it's it, it so brings, quotable. It is. It's the one of the most quotable, like you know, movies <laughs> of all time. Just Barry Manilow, you've stolen his wardrobe. It's still to this day, you know, somebody you work with <laughs> that is that profile. And even me as a supervisor, like if I say something, like I had to address somebody like about a year ago, and you know there was a friend of mine about my age who was sitting in the area people being too loud and he, i'm walking over i'm like hey guys you gotta quiet down you're really loud people are on the phones blah 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 blah. okay no problem cool they're getting louder again hey guys i told you come on here and then i walk over the third time i start separating them i do that and the friend of mine turns over he goes Dude, next time you're coming over here, you're cracking skulls, right? Yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh, it's so good. I'm like, yeah, maybe I am Paul Gleason today. Who the hell knows? Well, it's funny that you bring that up because yeah. one of the things that I found um, in business yeah. is when you need to bring people together, yeah. it's easier to do it around food. Right. So when, yeah. you, when you actually look at the movie and they start to gel as a group, it's during the lunch. It's when during the lunch, lunch yeah. scene. I mean, they yeah. all start to kind of look at each other and yeah. poke fun, but again, it's that that social norm yeah. of 
around food, people start to build commonalities. Yeah. And again, throughout the movie, like they build it up, but you know, total teenage angst it's they start to pick fun at each other again and i love the fact that the preppy falls in love with the wasteoid and like it just <laughs> like i can't tell you i'm tell as molly ringwald like growing up i'm like i always wanted the bad boy and yeah. you know look who i'm married to i'm married to a guy who's a firefighter and you know, we ride Harleys, and it's yeah, like, so it was true. It really made it okay to kind of go outside of your accepted or your perceived norm. Actually, now that I think of it, shoot, I, I kind of married the Allison Waker type, you know, yeah. <laughs> who was very quiet for a long time. Yeah, but for the like, and you don't <laughs> oh realize God, it, yeah. but yeah. it was one of those movies that it was so influential, no matter what year you watched it so yeah. I, you watched it pretty much 11 years later than i did yep mm. and it was still as just yeah. as meaningful yeah i would say that yeah you know it was I mean? like right around mid 90s when i really picked it up and yeah of course i had the tape recording so i'm only listening to this and i practically memorized it yeah i mean when and we finally got a vcr in the house this was one yeah. of the first movies i ever owned yeah and i think he passed that on to me eventually yep. and then I, I have the blu-ray which is kind of a crime now but hey i've got it on apple tv so it's <laughs> not even in any tangible media form yeah but um with uh see you got assistant principal richard vernon and i always i always like the name for that because basically it always sounds like it's like dick snake yeah you know <laughs> where yeah, is I mean, he yeah it's he was definitely a weasel yeah and the thing that like again i yeah. love the fact that it's translatable to in high school yeah. yep everybody had that person but at work yeah. Everybody has oh, we that all person. Do. Yeah, it's... we all do. In general, I mean, I have some of them myself, but you know, here he's like, okay, they're not allowed to speak, they're not allowed to leave their seats or sleep until they're released till 3 a.m., but they're going to write an essay, 1,000 words, or just who do you think you are? And, you know, that's like, oh, we're going to try something different today. And you can tell he's uncomfortable, but one of the things I saw the last time I saw this that made this movie even better there's a really quick flash uh, when they're doing that sequence at the beginning and they're doing you know anthony michael hall's doing the narration of what mm -hmm. ends up being the letter and you see the scenes of basically why they're there yep you know with some things uh, with and um of course um john bender's uh locker yep as well but you see a flash of carl the janitor and the sign says man of the year yep and he has a wicked interesting backstory mm -hmm. and you know for the person who was had promised but i guess he had um i guess he had a maybe an alcohol issue or had a, a knee that was blown or he i don't think it's ever really yeah yeah it's never really fully clarified but then you know he kind of lives it's like it's like a alternate universe Al Bundy where he's sort of living his glory days again 
and he was the king of the high school when he was there, so now he's like the eyes and the ears of this institution. Well, it's funny you say that because yeah. I never, when I started, you know, when I first saw this movie, I never thought that I would end up in higher education. Yeah, so right, right, yeah. I can see it from the perspective of this person who thought he had, like, huge aspirations and whatever happened to him happened to him, hmm. and now he's in a perceived sense of authority and he's like he's abusing that sense of authority so then you translate well, are you that talking about principal vernon or, or yeah carl? Oh, okay yeah. yeah okay and yeah. so he's like i was know, talking about carl but so he's like seeing that he's in a sense of authority and carl to your point is yeah. kind of like yeah he's the eyes and ears and he he's the higher like zen yeah. he's like you know what i've taken my life and you know, here's where I am, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. The other one is just, like, abusing power. Yeah. But like, he's also scared shitless. Yeah. Too, which is... But then they're making these kids write an essay on what they think their lives are going to be, you know, synthesized in six or seven hours. Yeah. And, you know, it's not fair to put that kind of pressure on kids to... No. Go into high school, go into college, and no. it's, again, no. the perfect movie. Yeah. It's timeless. No, it's it, day. Yeah, and even where, like, to your point with that, I remember we, um, years ago when we first, uh, my wife and I first got married, and we were having our taxes done, and we got to talking about things, and the guy who was doing our taxes went to the same college we did, mm-hmm. and, and the same artsy college that she was in, and... She's like, oh, he's like, isn't it weird that they make you decide your major when you know where you're within your first freshman year, and you know even now, like you know, with things are so freaking fast, and you know, life's you know, life, society, and everything seems to like hit the gas. Like even now, like I'm you know gonna be thirty four in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I remember thirty four, <laughs> <laughs> but like. Even I think of it like where I was in my twenties, I got a business degree, and I'm thinking I'm like, I still don't really even know who the hell I really am, really. But here's the yeah. thing, and I yeah. have, and not to get way off topic, but That's here okay. I go. Yeah. Um, I don't have much faith in where America is going right now politically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I Careful will say, that, yeah. yeah, I'm treading lightly. But yeah. what I will say is, I'm. Yes, we are pressured way too early in America to choose, like, so in junior high school, you need to start doing sports and, you know, outreach and public service and all this so that you can get into a high school program that might get you into a competitive college degree. Yeah. To an extent, it's still all your parents' choice of where you end up, Mm. but there's a choice. Right. In a lot of other countries in this world... From the, it depends on what your parents did, right? And it depends on yeah, like, how you excel in a third grade test. Yeah. So we still have a lot of choices, and we are blessed. So you're 34 years old, yeah. and have a business degree, and I'm not 34 years old and have a business degree, <laughs> and we still have choices. Yeah. So I True. ended up with an M- I had an MBA. But I ended up in higher education, and I'm still going to further my career, and we can do whatever we want. We still have choices. Yeah. And bringing it back to The Breakfast Club, I think that it gave us as kids permission to rebel. Yeah. I think it was a way for 
because the 80s were kind of a very strange time. It was uh, Reaganism, economics, and, you know, the rich got richer and the poor got lost. It right. was a real divide in the country. And mm. the more, like, I yeah. didn't realize it as I was living through it, like, but mom and dad had mortgage rates of, like, it, it was credit card interest rates. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, I'm starting to realize that now. Yeah, and if you actually watch, like, the the series, the 80s, the 70s, like, it really helped me kind of put things in perspective. So it was, I think, in a way, subconsciously, this movie gave me permission to say status quo to you is not to me, and that's okay. Yeah, And I should expect some backlash, which I think I appreciate in the movie. It wasn't just a, everything was a happily ever after. No. There was a, there was ramifications to your actions. So that part I really appreciate in hindsight. Yeah. But again, John Hughes nailed it. I don't know if it was a happy accident or complete artistic genius yeah i think it was a bit of both i i think in all honesty you know there's a couple of scenes that are just want to highlight just for fun um just kind of see where the thoughts are but you know there's obviously you know the introduction and uh bender and vernon are, are going back and forth and this is the scene where he says, do, you know, do you have any questions? Says, yeah, does Barry Manilow know you raided his wardrobe? Still one of the best, best <laughs> lines ever. You can answer that question, Bender, next Saturday. And he keeps <laughs> going. Yeah, a little bit later, but then, you know, eventually they, um, and, you know, he goes to the office and then you have Bender teasing Andrew and Claire about, you know, are you two steady dates? Mm-hmm. Boyfriend, girlfriend, lovers. And they tell the first time you hear their mouths, you know, go to hell! But <laughs> again, that's yeah. the thing. Like, the, I don't think the peer pressure is any different. Now, it's probably middle school, which blows Scary. my mind because I think kids are growing up. And I yeah. don't have children, so no, I can't I, imagine. Yeah. But yeah. I still think kids are growing up way too fast. And I have yeah. nieces and nephews who have been exposed to this, to the Breakfast Club, that they may relate to it in a junior high setting now. Yeah. So maybe the dynamic might be changing, but the pressures are still the same. And there, and, yeah, and there is something though. It does. It makes me miss times without a cell phone. But you know where you see something different, and that's something I just want to save for a bit. But um, when they're going back and forth, and um, which is another great line, I'm just looking through notes I had. Uh, the, um, you know, the uh, Bender takes the screw off the off the door. <laughs> Screws fall out all the time. <laughs> it's in perfect. <laughs> world's in perfect place, sir. Well, you're, you know, it's in there, but. Brian Johnson, played by Anthony Michael Hall, is pointing slightly to where it is. Like, he's got to be on the good side of authority no matter what. Yeah, he's just inherently, that's his nature. It needs to be here. He has it. Empty your pockets, Mr. Bender. And then uh, they get he gets eight more weeks of detention. But, um, you know, how many is that? You could do that. Do you want another one? Yes! Do you want any more? Yes! Uh, More? Yes! (laughs) Well, I actually have a moment like that. where I was somewhere I shouldn't have been and mom caught me. And uh, I got in the car and she said to me, are you proud? And I looked at her and I went, uh, she's like, 
She said something to the effect of, not are you proud, but, you know, do you want to acknowledge, you know, are you proud of what you did? And I'm like, yes, I am. And I knew the the minute I said it, (laughs) it was going to buy me at least six months, and it did. But maybe it was this movie's influence, I don't know. But again, like, I was the Anthony Michael Hall who was scared shitless to say, you know, shit if I had a mouthful. And I still think, to me, and I'm yeah. sure there's a, it's different for everybody, yeah. this movie gave me permission to have a voice. Yeah. True. And it was True. a voice that I didn't think... I was, I was raised by, and I know you were raised by the same parents, but it was 11 years apart and they were tired when she came along. I was raised yeah, by... You did all the shit and you got it, you got it out of But I was, I was raised by incredibly strict parents. Right, was, yeah. There was no room for discussion. Right, yeah. And yeah. before high school, I was like, okay, this, you know, no was no. After this movie, I was like, no is no, but I kind of don't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to accept the fact that there's going to be... Yeah. I'm going to make that fight. Yeah. No is no, but why? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that I think that's a good growing, you know, growing moment. Um, it's also like, like the point where the screw goes, the screw goes loose, and he tries to get Andrew to hope, like open, hold the door open with the magazine rack. <laughs> and, and it still won't fall. Yeah. <laughs> what about there's a fire, sir? You're, you're in danger of the lives of children. <laughs> Actually, the library is equipped with two fire exits on either side. Yep. And then here, and Anthony Michael Hall is doing the stewardess pose. Yep. It was like, <laughs> I, I just can't find any fault with this movie. No. And we're not looking to get any faults, really. No, no, no. And I'm yeah. not, exactly. Yeah. But there's just like, you can't, there was everything about it. Yeah. Everything about it was the jock, the prep. Yeah. The nerd. The jack, the prep, the nerd, the basket case, and the criminal. Yeah. And I think there's a little yeah, piece of five, everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In all of us. And yeah. to this day, I still identify, like I was telling you before we started the Who podcast. Who do you identify more? I, well, I'm a strong Molly slash basket case. So. Okay. Um, I still, to this day, I'm like preppy redhead molly yeah you know when i was thinking about going back to my prom my you know reunion i won't even say which one i started to shit a brick and yeah. i'm like yeah you know what do i wear and like i immediately went back to that library and i'm like <laughs> holy crap i'm an accomplished woman with a successful career and marriage and i'm happy and i'm like you say reunion, and I immediately wither back to yeah. Andrew Johnson. <laughs> yeah. And somebody's going to scrutinize my lunch bag. Yeah. You know I what had, I mean? I had the same thing. It was recently a reunion. I won't say which one <laughs> um, either, but I had the... I, I'm like, oh, no, it's going to be good. And I'm like, nowadays, you know, there's really no need for a reunion because pretty much everybody's on Facebook. So it's still, it's a matter of just getting face-to-face with these people who you somewhat, quote-unquote, know. Yeah, it's still, like it's yeah. almost like you feel like you're, the, yeah. to me, the reunions yeah. are like all the preps and the jocks. Yeah, like the class systems come back, and then they're yes. all, so we are all at the bar. 
but I, I did the same thing and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Where am I going to wear it? Like, I imagined if, um, you know, <laughs> Kaz dropped me off, it's like, this is the first time you're going to do this or the last? Mm. Last. Okay. Well, go in there and make yourself useful. Okay. <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't either. I got <laughs> so, and there was one person that, who was, he transcended all genres. Yeah. He's <laughs> an amazing person. I won't mention him by name, but we're friends on Facebook, and yeah. today is his birthday, ironically. And um, I wanted to go for him, to see him, and he was bummed that I didn't go. Yeah. We're, we're friends on to, you know, Facebook. Yeah. I could not, after 25 years, still face the stigma of high school. Yeah. And I kind of regret it now. A eh. funny yeah. thing. Yeah. So the college that I work at, I just found out that we hired a new coach for one of our sports teams who mm. happened to be a star sports player who I graduated with. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Like, talk about life coming full circle. <laughs> so here I am in my role, in a leadership role in the college, and here this person comes, and I'm like, it came full circle. So, like, <laughs> here's the nerd and the jock kind of coming together again in professional careers. So it'll be interesting to see when he starts Monday <laughs> how that transcends nearly 30 years later. Would he take you back to the parking lot to get high? Um, I'm probably going to say no. <laughs> It's good. It's fun. Like, what about me? But think about it seriously. Like here we are now, almost thirty years later. Yeah. It still translates. No, and it's really true. To like, let's see. We had a few others. Like you know, what blew my mind in this, and you know, again, the hundreds of times I've seen this, and I didn't notice it till you know years later was John Bender's abuse. Because we didn't grow up with that. Yeah. No, we, we didn't see it. And until you see it on the outside, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. And, and it, now that it it's all, actually talked about. Yeah. And it's, there, it's, there you go. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. No one talked about. Well, I will say the only other time I saw in media. Yeah. Child abuse was. Okay. I'm really dating myself now in good times. Yep. So yep. Janet Jackson actually played, I think, a girl named Penny. I know this episode. Her mom yeah. used to like he, she yeah. used to like put an iron on her back. Yeah. That to me that was the first instance ever that I saw child abuse. Yeah. And then again with John Bender's character. Yeah. So twice in my early childhood I experienced child abuse. Yeah. I grew up in we grew up in white bread America where it just we had a good we did yeah we had a good and i'm yeah. sure that yeah. people we went to school with experienced it but no one talked about it it yeah, wasn't no, no. exposed and yeah. here in was it 82 83 when did this movie come out 86 it was 85 um, 85 okay so it was somewhere yeah there. actually but yeah. they're openly showing scars yeah yeah and i think in some way now that i'm actually looking in the background where they're having that huddle scene yeah. All of them are facing some kind of abuse, whether it's divorce, um, neglect, neglect. Yeah. physical, Mental. or 
pressure to succeed. Yeah, yeah mental, yeah. These are all the abuses yeah. that all the kids still face. Yeah. And John and Hughes had the yeah. courage to say... Yeah, we're going to show it. And no yeah. one really... Like, to this... You and I are just talking about it now, like, wow. Yeah. And it's still, like, when you see this... But one thing I think they did right... Not a single person was far off in age. In some movies, it's like, that's the greatest teenage 35-year-old of all time. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're the people who are playing something that's way too... You know, they're, they're way too old for the role, and therefore they're unrelatable. Well, now that you say that, yeah. one thing that actually is a personal sticking point with me. Yeah. So all of these characters... Yeah faced some kind of neglect, abuse, yep. excessive expectations. Yeah. None of them were a victim. None of them well, victim status. Okay. I think okay. they were yeah, a yeah. product of their environment. Yeah. But none of them embraced a victim I, status and said, I'm yeah. going to yeah. withdraw. Yeah, I can see where you're going there, but I, I was thinking for a moment, I'm like, well... You know, Judd Nelson had the scar on his arm, so I'm like, well, maybe? I don't think that's yeah. victim status. I think he's just yeah. saying, hey, this is what happened. No, but I, I saw where you were going. I'm like, you know, like, yeah, he had physical signs that he actually was abused. Yeah, I don't think but any of them allowed it to change. He didn't draw, were. yeah, I he didn't draw in. You're right, yeah. Everybody was yeah. empowered by where they came from. When they left this movie, they yeah. said... This is the shit I came from, but it's yeah. not going to define me. Right, yeah. No, I'm with you, yeah. I'm with you. So, um, one of the things we see is, and uh, one of the scenes I absolutely love is when they start introducing themselves to each other to a degree. You got John Bender sitting on a railing, ripping up Moliere. Moliere. Okay, I'm saying it the wrong <laughs> way for that. And... <laughs> and he delivers one of my favorite lines, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure literature, ooh, Moliere really pumps my nads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moliere. And, and they I play, love his work. And they play the classical music in the background so subtly. It is very subtle, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is very, very subtle. Uh, but we have that, and he, um, and there's a scene where you see Brian Johnson start to wake up and start to get out of his shell a little. Well, the fact that he smoked a joint. <laughs> well, not, I'm not there yet, but that's just, uh, still, that is one of the funniest parts. Because um, I do that still to this, you know, to this day, if I want to show... smoke a joint? I wish. But, <laughs> the, the, uh, but if we have it, like, where the... But I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but... With, um, where it's like, you know, they're like, oh, well, you have the clubs. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll just run out and join the, I'll just run out, get a lobotomy and some tights and join the wrestling team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but again, it's like, the assumptions of people. Yeah, well, I'm in the, I'm in the math club. Mm-hmm. I'm in the chess club. I'm in the science club. Because accepted. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also explaining what goes on, you, you know. But it's funny because you're talking about that, and again, we're talking about how it's playing a mute in the background. Yeah. And right now, Brian's talking about the fact that he brought a gun to school. Yeah. To try to kill himself. Yeah. Which is suicide again. Was like unless it was an ABC after school special. Yeah. No one talked about it. They bring humor to the fact that it was a flare gun. Yeah. So they make they they. It, there's a levity in the moment. Yeah. 
But here's a character who, for all intents and purposes, was the brightest and most likely to succeed. And possibly valedictorian. Right. Yeah. But wanted to kill himself because he couldn't... He couldn't get a bee. He couldn't make a lamp. Yeah. Yeah. Which, to John Bender, was the most rudimentary skill. Yeah. Because you just, like... You just put the wires together, put it in there. And I, I really feel like, and I hate to sound all metaphysical and... But now in my mid-40s, yeah. this is the stuff that I hold on to. Yeah. I'm okay because I can't make a lamp. Yeah. Because, and it really does transcend all ages and times. You're raised to believe that you're supposed to fit in a box. Right. And this movie and yeah. gave you permission. Yeah. I think that's what I keep going back to. It wasn't yeah. even, back in the day, it was a, I identified with, Every piece of every character. Yeah. Now, I appreciate the fact that this movie, in a lot of ways, gave me permission to be who I am. Right, right, And I I was chastised a lot in high school and after. Oh, shit, so was I. Yeah, Yeah. no, we both were, because in a lot of ways, we kind of stuck to the, I'm going to embrace the nerd. Yeah. And well, now yeah. it's okay. Yeah, you yeah. think about Big Bang Theory. Now yeah, true. nerds true. rule. True, yeah. yeah. You know, back in the day, it wasn't cool for me to be like, I love Gem and the Holograms and yeah. Star Wars. Right. I, st- I have Kermit the Frog on my dashboard. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Some people yeah. still think it's a little odd. But well, I, well, true. I, when we were car shopping, I picked out the Kia because it looked mostly like Doctor Who's TARDIS. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be pretty sweet. <laughs> but I think <laughs> this was the first movie that gave, and I'm going to say our generation, which is a giant yeah, right. span. Yeah. But it gave every generation permission to say it's okay to be an individual. Right. So as much as it explored group norms, it celebrated individuality. True. I think this movie's going to get lost with the next generation. I don't know. I'm going to... I'll get to that point. Actually, right now, I've been trying to save and I'm trying to organize my thoughts in a certain way but i i really don't know that it will get lost because it's still as everything we've been saying it gets the idea of everything and i mean there's not much of a saturday detention that i know of anymore um depends on where you are and depends on what the town is like and the politics and the parents but i think yeah. we've gotten siloed to a point where yeah and I, this is where I'm terrified for my godchildren and my nieces and nephews. Me too. I think this movie is now more applicable to middle school. Yeah. But they don't have the maturity to understand why they're going through what they're going through. But but that's the point. It's like I got it and I, I loved it. I watched it all through high school. I put it away and, you know, Bob brought it up you know when he was in film studies saying you know hey do you want to, can we can we watch this i need to do a report on it yeah cool i've seen this a bunch of times and then that's where i started to like put together my past in my head yeah but do you yeah. think that this translates to a sixth grader 
the way it translates to a freshman in high school. So in sixth grade, I, don't know. I never yeah. had to start thinking about I'm a virgin. Like in sixth grade, to me, it was pretty much a given. Yeah. Um, it was pretty much a given up until high school. Mm. Now, I mean, kids are learning about stuff that we didn't even talk about until I was a senior in high school. Yeah. Well, to that point, maybe no, maybe yes, maybe no. But I mean, I had it in my gender. I can remember being, I think, in the fifth grade on the bus talking to some kids in the back. And some kid asked me if I was a virgin. And I had no idea what that meant. And I um, I went home, and Mom was there, and I said, Hey, Mom, am I a virgin? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I can picture Mom's teeth falling out with that. Yeah, actually. Like that's, that's no. the, so here, okay, this is actually <laughs> yeah. the perfect point to talk about it. So yeah. where you had to go home, like 11 years difference. Yeah. You had to go home and ask Mom, am I a virgin? Yeah. That what does this mean? In an all-girl Catholic school, to me, okay, yeah, the only time, virgin yeah. was Mary, and we washed her feet and wore roses. Like, that was just a... The, it wasn't even a question. Different with DA and everything, but I get that. But, you know, when I was in the public school... But that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I, I think I see, that the yeah, dynamic's yeah. starting to change. Yeah. Like, it transcends, but now I think that... Maybe. It's going to be for a younger generation and i don't know if the nuances maybe yeah maybe this will be studied for people who still do artsy films in college and like i think i hope so i think what will happen because like why i brought that up is i remember sitting with bob and i'm like it was at a point in my life when i was growing up and there was a lot of shelter that i went through yeah, yeah. And i, I think yeah. kudos to mom and dad yeah. they tried to shelter us from a lot of things yeah. but I think in the decade we were growing up in, it was happening too fast and they couldn't keep up. No, no, no. But still, like, I was for... I was married when you were seven. I know. Yeah. So, like... (laughs) I know. It was was very different, but it gave me a point where, like, 2021, you know, I was... I was not fully out on my own, but I was starting to really know what the world was at that point. Yeah, you and started that, to yeah. get an appreciation for... For the past and for things that happened. Less yeah. home and more yeah. worldly, yeah. Yeah, I started to know what the world was like. I started to be able to understand it, and I watched this again, and I'm like, okay, I could see why I was that way, because there were times in high school where I was the John Benderish type, mm-hmm. to a degree, but I definitely was brian johnson i definitely was allison waker yeah and hell i was also andrew and, and claire too but the funny thing is degree. you never thought that you were ali sheedy not ali sheedy uh, molly ringwald no that was yeah. the, that was the character i identified with most and you oh, yeah. grew up in this with the same parents yeah well yeah but you you also i remember you having that in the first time i watched this movie on that's lit. Yeah. Like that. That's you. Well, that I was thought you right the there. first time I ate sushi, I felt like it was coming <laughs> of age because I was like, I had finally reached the yeah. idol status of Molly. So, like even my prom dress yeah. in Sixteen Candles was right after her. Like at my it whole, was yeah seriously my now, whole entire 
It's actually a good springboard because then we could talk about like the way I was and why I identified with Allison Waker mm-hmm. for a little while. The very first line you hear in the movie, they're heading to the cafeteria and she's heading over with Andrew and she's in the back, very plain clothes. I'm pointing that out for people who haven't. If you haven't seen this movie, you, you need to see it. But if you, if you know which scene I'm talking about, if you've seen this. But she's very plain clothes. Her hair is over her face. Dandruff. Dandruff. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that happens too. And then the first thing out of her mouth is, you know, he's like, so what's your poison? Vodka. 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 When do you drink vodka? All the time. Mm-hmm. Tons. And it's a lie. Yep. It's a lie. And I did that where I was creating this persona because I was very uncomfortable with who I was. Not knowing it then. Mm-hmm. At that time. But you didn't building, know why you did it. Yeah. Not knowing it then, but I appreciated it more because afterward it became something so different in college. And that's the way it's like some kids do that where either because of peer pressure or the home life or even just to get through just high trying to fit in well she tried not to which again is was fitting in okay yeah and then it, but they're all kind of putting on their mask and they're all putting on it and um my friend nancy who's listening to this episode probably just fell off her chair listening to that line but she talks about it a lot, our therapist friend, mm-hmm. about uh, how we all wear our mask at certain times yep. and like what mask do you put on? We all do it where we're driving to work, going, you know, there at work, at home or anything. And sometimes it's, you know, but it takes a peaceful point when we take our mask off and just be ourselves. But it's funny yeah. because, and I, think I that's agree what they with learn. that. Yeah. Because I did the same thing. Yeah. I think my. <laughs> My childhood growing up was so vanilla, I kind of felt like I had to make up a John Bender (laughs) persona (laughs) because I wasn't the rich kid like Molly Ringwald. I couldn't pluck a diamond out of my ear and give it to somebody. Yeah. I mean, I remember before mom met dad, mom and I growing up. She hawked jewelry so we could buy groceries. I just told somebody this story recently. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so... Yeah. That's where I came from. And then... We still were of limited means, but Grandma and Papa had... Um, the, well. They had the means to show us... Yeah. Better things in life. So it's kind of like we grew up in two very different worlds. Yeah. I grew up in the, I know what it's like to hawk jewelry to, to eat, and I don't want to be too proud. Yeah. But we can go to Newport with Graham and Grandpa, and back in the day, an $8 piece of cake was like spending $42 on a piece of cake. Right. So yeah. it was literally like I knew the best of both worlds, Yeah. and I didn't know where I fit in. So for a while, I took on the John Bender piece. Like, I was the first person in our family to get a tattoo. That's true. So That's true, yeah. You, yeah. you and I, I mean, for the yeah. sake of the audience, you and I have different dads. Yep. So my dad is a Vietnam vet and is yeah. a Harley guy. And, like, so I grew up on Harleys on that side yeah. and tattoos and bikers. And so that wasn't... 
outside my norm. Yeah. But for the family circle, it was the, ooh, rebel. Yeah. So at 18 years old, I went out and got a tattoo. Yeah. The funny thing was, my stepdad, your dad. Yeah. <laughs> Saw me because I was, yeah, I yeah. don't know, but I was like yeah. so covert. I parked my car outside the tattoo parlor, and he came in. And he's like, "Hey," and I, I was caught red-handed, but I was already married at the time. Yeah. So that was kind of my rebel experience, like getting the tattoos, getting the piercings. And yeah. So <laughs> even as a married, I was married at eighteen and out of the house. I still identified with the rebel because I yeah. needed to break through that family norm true and and develop my own own identity and i think i can see that and like now seeing it like as you're saying this i'm having flashbacks of hanging out at your apartment and we were playing might have been monopoly or scrabble or something or there's a song that every time or or old apartment from bare naked ladies (laughs) And it's, it, I feel like, you know what, you know what, this, <laughs> I think I finally have gelled the breakfast club. Yeah. It is a therapy session yeah. when you start talking about it with your peers. True. It brings up, and I think it will be different for every person, and yeah. I think this is why this podcast is amazing. Yeah. And comes full circle, talking about it with my brother. Yeah. <laughs> And talking about it from a perspective of we have 11 years difference, same mom, different dad. We have different perspectives, but we still have the same scars. Yeah, true. And we still have the same appreciation for the fact that this movie is the catalyst for people to talk about... Their life. Yeah. Yeah. And it normalizes it. Everybody's been through the shit. Yeah. And there is some of the funny things, and um, I, I wake up, but I wanted to, I wanted to like go through a couple of bits. There's the scene when they're all getting high, <laughs> and the funnier part where Anthony Michael Hall, uh, Bender, uh, uh, no, sorry, Brian Johnson is saying is is he has glasses on and his cheeks can't hold the smoke. That's what, That's what it is. <laughs> hey man, give me five. Give yeah. me five. And they still... And he high-fives him and he falls over. Yep. I'm like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> that was... That was me. <laughs> I grew up with... Pot was not... Like, my my mom... Mom. Yeah. And my dad yeah. were hippies. Like, yeah. pot was just... It happened. Yeah. No, it was just a normal pot of... Pot. Part of I, life. Yeah. And when I got their Beatles albums and the Jimi Hendrix album... I opened it up and like seeds fell through it. and as a teenager I was like, oh, what's all this? And now I'm like, ew, now I know what it is. <laughs> so, the, and the funniest thing is like the first time I actually smoked pot with mom, yeah. I thought it was a setup. Yeah. And now I was married and out of the house and you were off at school because <laughs> you're so much younger than me. Yeah. But I really thought it was like some kind of trap. Yeah. And it's funny how... And I keep I want to keep bringing it back to the movie. Yeah. It just gives you permission whether you you don't realize it the first time you see it. Yeah. But Christ, thirty years later, yeah. it honestly gave me permission. Yeah. And to be who I am and accept it and be fine with it. And one of the, I just thought of this though. 
And it's something that I wanted to bring up later, but, well, I'll save that part. But, like, when they're all getting picked up later, Mm -hmm. somebody's gonna, like, somebody's gonna, uh, to smell that. To smell the pot in the car. Because they're all doing that, and that's gonna linger. Because you got that scene, Andrew is smoking in the language room, or in the tapes room, runs around, jumping over books, and has this whole thing, screams like hell, and breaks the window. Because 80s. Mm-hmm. But that's all going to linger around. And even at the point where Vernon and Carl are drinking in the basement, <laughs> while they're looking through student records, which, to save that scene for a moment, he comes back up and reads the letter that they left, He's gonna smell weed. But here's the Somebody thing. else is gonna know it too. I think Bender doesn't get picked up. No, he walks home. Which I think is yeah. Yeah. another profound yeah. moment. Yeah. Ali yeah. Sheedy's parents, she gets picked up in a friggin' Rolls or a Bentley. Yeah, and he apologizes for it. and. Well, no, yeah. Ali Sheedy's servant. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Ali yeah, Sheedy's servant yeah. isn't gonna know the difference. Yeah. Um... I think Andrew's parents wouldn't know it if he told them it was basil or patchouli. Yeah. Um, Molly Ringwald's mother or father wouldn't know it because it wasn't Coke. Because that was their preferred method. So I think pot was, again, the norm. True, yeah. You know what I mean? So Dork's families didn't know it. The only one that would have known it is Bender's family. Yeah, and they they wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, it's true. And also, funny side fact is the one who picks up, the dad who picks up Brian Mm -hmm. is John Hughes. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, It's John Hughes in the car who picks him up. Uh, because they couldn't, uh, I don't remember the exact dynamics. Somebody please tell me that you will. Uh, we go through all that, and then um, there's the scene where uh, Carl and uh, Dick are drinking in the basement. And it's a great line, you know, where did you want to be? Well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be John Lennon. Mm-hmm. And how he says, you know, I'm scared to death because when I'm old, these kids are going to be running the country. <sighs> yeah, and it, it reverberates because when you see this time and time again, you see the other side of it, and especially, you know, half a lifetime away from seeing this, okay, more than half a lifetime away for me. Yeah. I'm not going to say you, but, you know. No, and uh, <laughs> you know what the funny thing but it's is? But still, it stings. It's like, wow, this is kind of weird. When I first saw this movie, politics was not even... Oh, we're not getting to politics in general. No, no, but what I'm saying is, like, I don't... When they say, you know, these kids are going to be running the country, to me it was just a general statement of, yeah, eventually I'll be graduating and be an adult. Hearing that statement now... It it hits hard. And... Yeah. And I will say, going through 9-11... Yep. um, Yep. And now being more aware of than ever where my obviously my family is a union family yeah my husband's a union firefighter i am not in a union but i work in a political public institution of higher education i have parents who live with me who are retired and affected by the economy 
Yep. True. That statement then, I wish I understood with the profound impact. Yes. It is now. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Because if I actually sat and took stock of that too long, my head might implode. I I agree with you 100%. And I'm a person who I graduated in the school season right after 9-11 happened. So with that change, that was something incredibly different. Um, and you know, things definitely, it, it did, it did hit very hard and like, wow. And even going back to like the grand, you know, our grandparents who were World War II. Well, and, you say that you, know, you, that's gr- still, you graduated during 9-11. Yeah. 2002. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that was when you graduated. Yeah. My husband was on, my boyfriend at the time or fiance, whatever it was, was on standby to go. Yeah. True. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it was yeah, yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that that our generation had an Im- this movie had an obviously profound impact. Given the fact that our country got attacked, I think it had another layer. That statement had a profound impact beyond what John Hughes intended. Nice. Yeah. No. It really. It, yeah. It was very timeless in general. Um, I'm just gonna pull up something. Uh... Second, okay, there we go. The and you, yeah, you're genuinely right. And then you know, there's the ending. It wraps up, and I mean, we're, we purposely haven't um, we haven't gone over this really scene by scene. And I didn't want it to be that way like our usual episodes are. Because I don't think you can with this. You can't. No, and you can't because this is something that has to be experienced on its own. Yeah, I think but if really you do to talk about the scene by scene, it's too forensic. Yeah. And it loses its yeah, but the, the humanity. Talk, we, we really try to do that. We talk about the feelings of it, and this is really good, and this is something that you know really had been changing. But there's also the very end of it, you have Andrew Clark... Ends up with Allison Waker after, um, you know, Claire takes her in and, you know, does her makeup and but has that girly time. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> going to get to that in a second, okay? You have John Bender who was pushed into a closet and the scene where I really emotionally can't get into right now, but where Dick is a dick. Mm-hmm. And challenges him to punch him in the face when he knows no one's looking. Go ahead, do it. One clear shot, and also there's one line. I make thirty-one thousand dollars a year, and I own a home. I'm a swell guy. Who's gonna believe me, me or you? I'm gonna find you in ten years. I'm gonna kick you in the dirt. Like, you threatening me? What the hell? Like, like you're threatening me? I don't have any refuge. What the fuck? Like, you know. It but hasn't then you see, no, no, no. It's still, but Claire ends up with Bender. After, um, although I'm bouncing a bit, but there's also is one great scene where he climbs back into the library through the roof, you know, through the ceiling, falls through the drop ceiling, delivers a joke that was made up on the spot mm-hmm. that we don't know the ending to. Yep. Um, 
What did you think the ending of that joke was? Where it's, you know, naked blonde walks in, has two poodles under one arm. I never... Yeah. You know, I honestly never wanted to know. Because it kept the legacy of the movie going. <laughs> but still, he forgot his pencil. At least they're... They're... They, they end up there and Brian ends up basically just finishing it all up and going, hey, this was kind of a good day. But you know, now, I see Brian as the um, Bill Gates. Yes. Like, I honestly think yeah. that I, yeah. I need to believe yeah, that, that he, he ended up you know. as Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Bender, as much as when I was a teenager... I thought Bender and Claire were going to go eat sushi together, and he was going to wear her diamonds. Okay, there, there it is. So, instead of fantasy casting, what happens after? In your mind, what, what happens after that day? My view of now? No, 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 no. Not okay. today, but what happens... that? Because there's a scene where he says, well, what happens to us on Monday? I consider you... Brian saying, I consider you guys my friends. Are we still friends? No. Or what's happening? The okay. reality is Brian ends up on his own, but he has some sem- semblance of self-worth. Okay. And goes on to be Bill Gates. Okay. I think Claire continues to be Claire because she's got the security of her f- family finances. I think Bender sells the diamond for drugs. Okay. I think Andrew ends up married with kids and some kind of little league baseball coach. True. I think Ali Sheedy ends up medicated with some rich family. Okay. Um, It's a very negative view, but given 25 years later, who am I missing? Well, you have Brian, you covered Brian Bender. Brian is the multimillionaire. Yeah, we covered ben, uh, Bender, that sells it, Claire, uh, Allison. Yeah, I think you got them all. Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah. If you ask me that question now, yeah. I don't think anybody but Brian... Yeah, ends up successful at all. Yeah. So you have Carl and Rick and Vernon, though. You know what? Yeah. Honestly, I can say yeah. you have given more weight to those characters. I know. Than I ever did. I know. <laughs> then or now, and like you know what? No, and I appreciate the fact that you have a different perspective, and maybe that's where the age difference yeah. comes in. Yeah. Because when I first saw this movie, like I thought of them as, honest to God, the janitor was more of a comic relief. Jester character, Shakespearean <laughs> character. Kind of was, wasn't he? Yeah, like yeah. I, I saw him as extraneous, like never really weight, you know, having much weight. But yeah. you've brought a weight of his character to the movie that I really hadn't thought of before. And I grew up with a couple of those people. I know. Well, I yeah. did too, but yeah. I, I always focused more on the main characters. No, yeah. And I think at the time, I think it just goes with the time period. I mean, you were not too far off of the age of the characters no, at that time. I really wasn't. Those, you know, it was those, only, were, those only were my a, colleagues. Yeah, they were only a few years older than you at that time in yeah. 85, but they, you know, now it's like, okay, that Thank was... Thank you for reiterating the, the year. 
Good words. Okay. My thought that happens. Wait till I turn 50. That'll blow your mind. Yeah, no kidding. Eh? <laughs> You'll still be in your 30s. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, then I'll turn 40 shortly behind that, so don't and worry. And then I will uh, laugh. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. I won't. Actually, yeah. you know, the best thing about this whole thing is yeah. it shows that age... Yeah. And I think... Here's another thing Mom and I were talking about before you got here. Yeah. We have a different perspective because neither you nor I have children. Yeah. So we don't have this very definitive um, line in the sand. So yeah. our kids are in first grade, second grade, middle school, high school. We kind of experience life in a nebula. Yeah. It's just one kind of continuum. True. We both have God children, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, you no, and, yeah, yeah. And, and they're my life. Like yeah, I would and you feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have that daily reminder of life in a school system. Fall, springs. I mean, I do it from a college perspective, but yeah. years kind of blend true. for us. Yeah. I think people with That's children yeah. have that constant reminder of demarcations of years. Yeah. So we bring a very unique perspective of, I don't feel 45. It blows my no. mind that I am. I can't say that you would, yeah. So, yeah. And I don't think mom feels like she's nearly 70. Because she no. doesn't have that constant. So I think it's, we have this appreciation of an ageless appreciation of time. That's a good way to put it, yeah. So our counterparts that have children yeah. may have a wildly different appreciation for, it's different now from my kids in middle school. It's different right. for, so I think this would actually be a very interesting episode to revisit yeah. With people with kids. True. To see if it's different. Yeah, true. You know and, what I mean? Because yeah. profoundly, and, this yeah. movie was major influence on my life. And I to, to bring it too. back to, yeah. the, to the center of yeah, yeah. the point of this. Yeah. This movie gave me permission yeah. to rebel. Yeah. So it was the, the Vietnam era of the 80s for me. So where mom mm. was permission yeah. to... Rebel against the government and say this war is wrong and to wear her bell bottoms and to yeah. go against the social norms back then. Yeah. Mom was riding motorcycles. Like, Grandma was flipping her shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I was on a motorcycle at three. Now I have my own Harley. Like, it's just yeah. completely normal. So I think this was the, the Vietnam era of us yeah and so here's where there's a a prolific difference between your age and mine my father is a vietnam vet right so i have that perspective of coming home and being spit on and the the real um don't tread on me right screw the yeah. government yeah perspective your 10 years later television gave you Alex P. Keaton where um, Republicans were like the 
okay, this is the social norm and it's conformity yeah. is cool. Yeah. This movie still gave you permission to, to go say, out there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I had a different perspective, <laughs> but it all comes back to it's okay to be different. Yeah. And you're all going to be... I, I don't want to say everybody's going to be okay because I don't think... No. The, I think the I only think person that, that yeah. came out okay in that movie, if I were to play it out... Yeah. Is the nerd the yeah. one that was going to commit suicide? Yeah. I think he's the only one that and yeah, because he I, owns yeah. that project. Yeah, well, he owned it too, but then he kind of found humor into it where he he bared his pain to people, and you know they got understand, and then he yeah, then he was laughing at the end, where he's like, "Well, that's not funny." Yeah, it is. It's really funny. But <laughs> yeah. he. Yeah. He was the only one to accept that entire situation for what it was. Right. Nobody else, the jock, the prep, the, like nobody else acknowledged that it was just a day for them. I think for Brian, it was... That was a big milestone. Exactly. That was a Yeah, and I think that's where you have the milestones early, you definitely grow from them, and he grew leaps and bounds. Which is why he wrote the letter. I'm going to quickly give what my perspective was, which is a little bit more hopeful, but I think you're going to see the big difference. Yeah, well, I think that's awesome. Yeah, you're going to see the big difference. I think they're going to all end up right back there the next Saturday. You think so? I think they're all going to end up there somehow, some way. I think... I relate a lot to Brian, and I think at that time in high school, I was very much like him. I was trying to find myself, and I was all five of them at some given point. But mm-hmm. I think he would try to find a way to slightly rebel again and get back there. But you have a principal who is hell-bent on authority, walks into, no matter how much of a stupor he's in, sees one letter, he's already got a stick up his ass, he sees ripped up books, a broken letter, smells marijuana, and the place is in disarray. Mm-hmm. So he's plucking off all five of them and they're getting sent back. You know, Allison Waker would probably just show up. Bender's going to be there anyway. So she would probably gravitate towards that. I think Andrew Clark probably would have been a little bit more comfortable. I think he quits the wrestling team. Because then that's where his... And you're giving me the smirk a little bit. But no, no, no. No, 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 that's fine. But he quits the wrestling team because at that point where he tapes Larry Lester's buns together... Don't get that visual image if you haven't seen the movie. But, you know, that you know he just has that and says, you know what? And he also expresses that, I don't want to freaking do this. And I say that because I knew someone in, college, in, in high school who was like the absolute star of the town because he was like God's gift to high school wrestling and he fucking hated it. Like he absolutely hated wrestling. He just kind of did it because his old man like he was the embodiment of that character. Oh, both of here. But then, you know, he's going to do something and he's going to end up, you know, because he quits, Vernon's going to pin something on him and I think they're all going to end up back there but it won't go any further than that. So here's where I take it. Yeah. So I went to high school with two people who were bound for the Celtics and drugs. Yeah. They've turned it around. 
Yeah. Kudos to them. So I think Ali Sheedy's parents buy her way out, get her a private therapist, and she ends up more fucked up than ever before. Yeah, they ignored her, yeah. I think that Claire's parents get her a therapist, put her on drugs, get her another earring, and she's forbidden to see Bender again. I think Bender yeah. ends up in prison. Yeah. I think Andrew McCarthy ends up... Andrew Clark. No, no, Andrew McCarthy. So, uh, what the hell's his character name? Well, I mean, you mean Emilio Estevez? Emilio Estevez, yeah. Yeah, Andrew Clark, end, yeah. 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 He ends up miserably married yeah. with multiple kids and. With a trailer. Yeah, no. Probably, yeah. <laughs> no, I see him in a modest home with 3.5 kids, Cutting you know, a dog, yeah. and yeah. coaching kids and just snorting coke and getting along. Yeah. I see, again, Brian is going to be, you know, Microsoft's next CEO. I see Bender as retiring with his pension, probably getting caught up in some kind of kiddie porn thing. Um, yeah, I, I really, you have a way more optimistic yeah. view, than yeah. I, which I think is kind of ironic. Um because I grew up with these characters. Like, yeah. I could tell you people in high school yeah. who completely fit. I don't fit any one of, well. No, not one 100%. No, know? I would probably be Brian. Yeah. Though I'm not a multimillionaire. But, although I, years of angst... Yeah. I ended up okay. Yeah. I ended up really okay. And not needing to fit in with any of those stereotypes. But it took me 30 years to get there. It took me almost 20 myself. And I think, you know, just to end this thought, I just had just a random thought with it. I thought about what would they be at a high school reunion. They're coming there, like you go from, you know, our, our Uncle Ted just came around for a high school reunion uh for reasons and you know he's joking about it i'm like okay you got the breakfast club and then you have the early bird special bunch 50 years later mm -hmm. or something like that there's and, uh, honestly <laughs> pender probably would do that he probably would get the early bird special just because he could probably pass for an a or yeah. card because he's out of his mind on coke i'm probably uh up for the early bird special for the next reunion, but Shoot, I think I the next reunion yeah. it'll be 30 years later. I'm okay with it. Yeah. But I, it took me 30 years yeah, to get there. Yeah, I probably would be okay with the 20 year myself, yeah. And the only reason I'm okay with it, and yeah. here's where the ultimate twist comes through, Facebook yeah. has shown me that the, per the, the persona I assigned to everybody when I left high school before there was social media yeah. is completely different than what I expected. So everybody is, I've gained some weight. Yeah. I don't look like I did. I didn't I, have this. I had this dream. I never made it. 
I I yeah. exceeded my dreams when I yeah. left high school. Well, other people not you. No, no. Yeah, what I'm yeah. saying is, when I left high school, I was married, and most people assumed that I was pregnant, and that's why I had to get married. I can't get pregnant. I never could. Yeah. So, I think I am so comfortable in myself now that I can address that stuff mm. and say, you know what. If you don't accept me for who I am, I don't fuck off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's the good way. But I think a lot of people now, thirty years later, at the same point. Yeah, true, true, and I think just to read it off the um, the ending letter means so much, and we've just about at the moment where we can wrap this up in a few minutes. But, um, yeah, we've been talking that long. But the uh, letter itself reads, is it a very still words this day really means a lot. But the, you know, dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice the whole Saturday in detention for whoever it was you think we did wrong. What we, what we did wrong was, but what we think you're crazy for make uh, what we did was wrong, but we think you're crazy for making us write an essay thinking you tell us who we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, our most convenient definition. We found out each one of us is a brain, an athlete, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. But uh, if you think about it, uh, the way he phrased it, each one of us is. Yeah. It, it means in yeah. every one of us. Yeah. That there is an every athlete. Every Yeah. There is there, and it did. Solid, actually, I didn't think about that. It did solidify the movie that everybody got it. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody comes away with something to relate to this. Think about when you come to my house. Yeah. I have motorcycles in the driveway, yet wear a tiara. Yep. <laughs> I'm studying to go for my PhD. Yeah. Like, it literally is everything that. Not everybody is riding a motorcycle or going to explore higher education, but everybody has that nerd, that princess. We all have that. True. And that movie gave us permission to say, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I keep going back to no, it. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. It's a good and way to end it. I never yeah. thought about it until you and I had this conversation. That movie gave me permission yeah. to say, Well, that's what these I'm episodes okay. do. Yeah. These episodes do that, you know, it, it does drag out thoughts that, you know, we never even thought until we come together and, you know, listeners and past guests and things like, you know, our, our my goddaughter's mom, a uh, good friend of mine, Jess, like, you know, she was on episode four where we did the Beatles movie Help. Mm-hmm. And she just like completely had this moment where she's like, okay, we're going through, we're talking about the movie, having fun talking about it. And then, you know, it changes. We're like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. You know, she had this thing. But this does do that, and that's always a good thing. So we're going to wrap up here with a few things first. Thank you. Thank you. No, this is awesome. This is fun. All right. So uh, this episode is sponsored. I wanted to give a really good shout-out and a good friend to my friend. A good shout-out to my friend Harley. Uh, go ahead, look at the description, check her out on Facebook, uh, look up Hemp by Harley, I'm actually wearing one of her jewelry pieces that she made for me, um, Hemp by Harley, Hemp Jewelry, unique jewelry for unique people, um, does awesome work, if you're in the southern New England area this summertime, as of this recording in 2018, um, she's in farmer's markets 
all across the area. Just look her up on Facebook and Instagram. You can see where she is next. Go get out and do that because she's a girl who is doing great art and uh, promoting a lot of really great causes along the way. And, you know, thanks again for giving us the opportunity. Um, and that's really good. You can um, check us out on Facebook. Just look up Movie Theater Time Machine. And look us up on Twitter at MT Time Machine. And also look up MTTM Bob. Uh, seriously, go ahead. He needs to laugh. Bob just got a, you know, soon to get a really good job. So go wish him congrats um, as well. So that's going to be great. Uh, we'll be back next week where we have my buddy uh, Larry Fishberger, who is going to be uh, part of the final installment of our American Cult Classics Exploration, where we explore the movie starring Sylvester Stallone, Rob Schneider, Dennis Leary, and Sandra Bullock, the futuristic dystopia called Demolition Man. And to see, does it hold up? Does it not? Who knows? So enjoy yourself, be good, take care of yourselves, but don't be too good.